Hello, I am C-3PO, and I believe the storyteller is ready. So, let us begin. A royal welcome. Sent to investigate allegations that Mandalore was joining Count Dooku's separatist. Obi-Wan Kenobi was reunited with an old friend, the Duchess Satine of Kalbala. While Satine claimed Mandalore's intentions were to remain neutral during the war, an attack on the capital city led Obi-Wan to the discovery of a terrorist organization known as Death Watch. Now the Duchess travels to the Senate so she can plead her case against her involvement in the war as the Jedi prepare a defense against her opponents. So the episode starts off, Obi-Wan and Anakin are accompanying Satine to Coruscant uh, for a senator deposition. Uh, Anakin and Satine uh, are kind of, uh, Anakin meets Satine and she's kind of sour with Obi-Wan. There's a lot of banter. R2 and the clones are in the bowels of the ship as they're kind of guarding, make sure nothing goes wrong. But a couple clone troopers disappear uh, and we realize that they've been attacked by this kind of spider-shaped assassin droid. Uh, and Anakin goes down uh, to check on said uh, issue after chatting with Obi-Wan a little bit further about his relationship with Satine. And so what this basically reveals is that one of the members of the Senate is more than likely a traitor. Somebody has allowed this spider robot infestation aboard, and so there's, a, I guess, a, a bit of an inquiry, and when it's revealed that the, the traitor senator is uh, Greg Proops, he takes uh, Satine hostage, uh, and that kind of forces a bit of a standoff between uh, Obi-Wan and, and the other two. Uh, during this, Satine tells Obi-Wan that, you know, in spite of all of this hostility, she's always loved him, and he kind of half says it back, although really it's just kind of a distraction ploy to uh, regain the upper hand. When they do that, out of nowhere, uh, somebody else kills this, uh, this traitor. Yeah, so as they're kind of going back and forth, uh, he is has threatened to blow up the entire ship uh, as he's rigged it to blow. He tries to kidnap Satine, uh, but Satine does getting the upper hand on him, uh, puts them in a kind of an awkward position because she's a pacifist. She won't kill him. Obi-Wan uh, is in a weird position of not wanting to kill him in cold blood directly in front of Satine. But we all know someone who is kind of okay with killing things in uh, killing bad people in cold blood. Uh, and that would be Anakin Skywalker. Uh, and Obi-Wan kind of shakes his head at that. Uh, but Anakin realizes, well, it's going to save the day and the ship doesn't explode. Uh, Satine is safely taken to Coruscant. Uh, and then Obi-Wan is kind of, the, the old wound of his love is kind of reopened and he's kind of left in a, oh, this is going to uh, have a bad feeling about this uh, and uh, his, his future uh, kind of emotional heartstrings. A really nice dynamic in this episode is that there exists this, uh, this backstory for Satine and Obi-Wan, which is kind of developed here in this episode, and, and this, this basis that both of them actually, for different reasons, are pacifists, sort of. Like, they, they both have this... Uh, personal ethic, this moral code that uh, precludes them from choosing violence first, and yet neither one of them seem to agree with the way the other one approaches that lifestyle. And in fact, Satine is constantly calling out Obi-Wan for the hypocrisy she sees in the Jedi Order, which is valid. Oh. Now, I, I, think it's, I think it's notable, and you kind of hinted at this last week, that um, this episode was produced before episode 12, which we watched last week. Uh, and that is, I realized that when I when I read up on it, and it's very clear uh, knowing that because they don't have the same uh, dynamic at all as they had last week. Did you find that when you watch it? Like, but suddenly they're a lot meaner to each other than they were last week. 
No, they absolutely have a, a very similar dynamic. She is definitely meaner in a public setting, but I see that being a little bit more uh, akin to the fact that it's it's a public setting. Uh, my favorite bloody line of the episode is, Senators, I presume you are acquainted with the collection of half-truths and hyperbole known as Obi-Wan Kenobi. Yeah, it's which good. Which is so wonderful from a certain point of view uh, and how that kind of trickles throughout the entire character's history. But in particular, it's she feels, I guess, somewhat, I guess, some slighted that he has this moral compass. But where are his morals bending? But they never bent for her, right. uh, and so that was kind of the 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 big thing that I see it as a as a as a frustration, and it it ebbs and flows between the two characters, and it is very kind of all over the place, and I guess kind of the 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 polar nature that their relationship can kind of take. So I, I'm, I'm kind of okay with it. Uh, you see kind of a, a bunch of different uh, perspectives on it from last episode to this episode. It definitely does. Like these episodes could be watched in either order, yes. but I do find them consistent. Uh, there's also a current through the episode where Anakin is kind of learning about this history between Obi-Wan and Satine for the first time. And he's using it very uh, playfully. He's kind of ribbing Obi-Wan and Obi-Wan has less than zero patience for it. And that's what's kind of interesting <laughs> about this this uh, depiction of Obi-Wan is because he's, you know, while he's generally by the book and no nonsense, he's rarely so um, frustrated as he is in this episode. Um, and I, I guess that's just meant to illustrate that l love kind of changes, it, it, it rewires you emotionally speaking. And and I think I think that was effective. But it's also, I, I think, absolutely that. And then on top of it, with it being the Anakin kind of back and forth. And I think the Anakin back and forth that they have is great. But it's also the one instance where Anakin finally is like, oh, my God, of all the sh shit you give me, you're kind of in the same position. I mean, An like Anakin doesn't, it's not the case at all. Anakin's literally married. But at this, but in, in, in a certain way, he, he's kind of teasing him. It's just like, oh, you son of a bitch you're just such a hypocrite and, oh but you can't tell me it's not one's getting that from everybody it's obviously created to mirror uh padme and and anakin like the, like the elevator sequence at the beginning like it's a complete role reversal on purpose yeah and it's great and and that's uh anakin's role in this kind of in this episode in the trifecta of kind of the their relationship there uh I know I don't want to maybe skip to it right away, but there's not a whole lot to say about Anakin in this episode. Um, there's a couple things, though, the couple uber cool moments. Uh, there's the the saber throw, very Darth Vader-esque, uh, up into the rafters. And uh, then, of course, the Imperial March, yeah. the way it plays when he stabs Merrick from behind. It is so very 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 cool it is uh, there are a bunch of great moments like this in the clone wars with this great foreshadowing uh, but it's anakin using logic and his perspective on warfare and how it differs from obi-wan's and satine's and the views of other people but as obi-wan says in the public's eyes in the public eyes murder it, it, it becomes the hero in that situation. The guy died, the ship was saved, you're the hero, and Anakin views it that way too. And he's got no problem being the poster boy as we see in Revenge of the Sith. No, and he treats that that kill with such levity, which is kind of strange. He just kind of like shrugs and says, meh, had to do it, had to do it. And Obi-Wan's very odd in that moment because he, he just 
gives him like a Anakin. It's it doesn't really quite seem like a uh like even Obi-Wan is quite as troubled by what this this act of hatred or aggression could mean for his Padawan. I guess he hasn't necessarily sniffed out the dark side in Anakin yet. True, but I see this very much as Anakin being in the right. I, I think this is an, an yeah. example of Anakin being 100% in the right and doing what is, like he, he's choosing what is right, not necessarily what is code. And Obi-Wan is in a position of, ooh, this is, like code, I should he he must stand trial. Um, and Anakin doesn't really fall on the lines of he must stand trial. I kind of agree. To why, I, why he's takes that hard line with Mace Windu is because it's like Mace Windu, this is all you guys ever give me is that right. I you need to follow the code. And if you don't follow the code, then I'll flip it on you. And so that's kind of the way I see it. But then also Obi-Wan really doesn't want to just do cold-blooded murder in front of Satine. But that's the thing, and I only kind of agree because He's not the one who uses the term cold-blooded murder. It's this other guy, right? And yeah. and 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 thereby sets up this illustration of Anakin as the cold-blooded killer. Uh, and then the Imperial March plays, which is the most iconic villain score in movie history. And so it's not so simple as he's in the right for for doing this. Maybe it was the right thing to do, but this is this doesn't come from the good within him. No. No, this comes from uh, the conflict of the messages that he receives and his inability to kind of tell tell those lines apart. I mean, he is in in the right here, but he's not necessarily in the right to be so quick about thinking it. It's not an easy decision, but it's an easy decision for Anakin, right. and that's not a good thing. Um, and then, of course, yeah, it means a lot more for him in, in this situation. But it is an example where Obi-Wan, I, I think, very much agrees with Anakin's decision. And that's why he's only like, Anakin, not like, Anakin, and right. really mad. It's a matter of, he he doesn't, he, he's happy Anakin did it because it didn't mean that he had to. He's just not happy with the way Anakin did it. And that's kind of the way I viewed it. Is there anywhere else that this uh, romance between a young Obi-Wan and young Satine is actually fleshed out? Because... They've given us a lot of backstory here, uh, and Obi-Wan kind of provides it for Anakin. It's not um, implicit. It's not essential, but I would like to to learn more. I, I like the idea of them being young and in love. Yeah, it's something that they make a couple uh, allusions to in Master and Apprentice with Qui-Gon teasing Obi-Wan a bit, but... Not a whole lot. It's uh, explored a, a little bit more in, in this show as well, um, because there are kind of nine episodes we've outlined here to to kind of explore with Mandalore's relationship um, to the Clone Wars and, and, the, and the ones that we haven't watched in the sense that we had already done the last four episodes for this show. Um, but yeah, there's going to be some more exploration, but there there isn't a ton. It's something that was very open and provided a lot of potential for uh ray being a kenobi and that's mm. a lot of people really thought it's like okay well why I, for me i was convinced like that was what, the biggest nugget for me was why did they delay the kenobi show so long right and they like it it's i believe it was the connection they were potentially or at least keeping open which we know for sure is they were i'm getting a ma major lag going on with my camera yeah you're you're a little glitchy uh, right now but it yeah, but it uh, it's something I, I think they wanted to keep open, and that's why they delayed that show, and that's why they haven't filled in this plot line a ton yet, because 
potentially could have been Satine had to go off and, and, and hide her offspring. Well, I, I, yeah, okay. Okay, I'm interested in that. Um, I think I know a thing or two about the fate of Satine. I don't want it spoiled for me at this point because we're kind of in the midst of exploring it. But is there a possibility that the Obi-Wan show can finalize the Satine plot? Especially since we're also exploring Mandalore, uh, Mandalorian culture in live action now? Yes, yeah, definitely. The, her story will be finished in a way of um, Bo-Katan might do some form of tie-off a little bit of a, the story arc, and then I assume maybe flashbacks, or um, if uh, o- if Obi-Wan makes his way to Mandalore somehow in, in the Kenobi series, which doesn't seem right, but... Um, yeah, I, I think I think there's more story to tell there, and um, I think it, I think it would make a lot of sense. Uh, it would also wouldn't shock me if we got a book on that one day. It's the kind of thing that does feel very like a bookish sort of topic that they would at least go back in time to flesh it out more. Do you think they can bag Kate Blanchett for a cameo in the Obi Wan series? I don't see why they couldn't. If you can get someone like Jodie Comer to do something that short and sweet and uh, it's all done in California and it's uh, kind of a hop, skip and a jump away. Um, or it, even if it, even if not, um, you get somebody who looks a hell of a lot like her. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I think that's it's a... like, I don't think they would, it would require someone who's a great actress. If no. It's going to be a quick, quick flashbacks or likely dream sequences. That's true. You don't really want to waste Kate Blanchett too. Like she's so extraordinary. Yeah, you could use her at some point down the line. Yeah. And uh, just timing-wise, it won't necessarily work for this. It's a really strong dialogue episode, and in particular, that mm. that scene, that meeting scene that you you quoted from a minute ago. Like, all of the lines are are, are stiff and proper, but, like, really carefully well-worded. Um, and, and so that, that senator's line in particular is really good. Um, I kind of just have, like, a bunch of half lines, like, retorts written down. Um, yeah, there's, there are a bunch of really good ones. Just uh, you're quite the general now, aren't you, Master Kenobi? Um, and yet some might argue the best defense is a swift and decisive offense. Right. That's good. Anakin tells her we fight for peace. And she says, what an amusing contradiction. And it is. Yeah, it, that is a really good one. Um, Anakin's other line, what? He was going to blow up the ship. Um, Merrick's line of who will strike first and brand themselves a cold-blooded killer. Right. Uh, very kind of over-the-top sort of Saturday morning cartoon dialogue, but that's very much what George Lucas is going for here. This is a really excellent uh, pairing of lines between Obi-Wan and Satine. One of them says, the sarcasm of a soldier. And he says, the delusion of a dreamer. They just kind of trade yeah. trade groans back and forth. Yeah, it's all it's very uh, one against each other. That is a really good back and forth that they have. Um, Obi-Wan's line of, had you said the word, I would have left the Jedi Order. Uh, that's, Which, uh, but he's lying, right? Line. Like, No, he's no, not. He's not. Is she? No, he's not. No. But like, it just seems like she she said it as a ploy, not because this was the moment to be that sincere. Yeah, but she was being. Okay. So we'll, we, we, we will go further down that road. Um, but also think of uh, Obi-Wan was very, very confused uh, young Padawan. And uh, he really did not understand Qui-Gon at all. And Qui-Gon was a very confusing master for him. Right. And so he, what and uh, Obi-Wan wasn't necessarily 
raw power in the force as a young Padawan. And so with that, uh, there was a lot of ten- temptation, you could say, um, kind of luring him away. And uh, what's the name of this episode? Oh, yeah. Voyage of Temptation. Right. And what is the moral they say at the, st- at the start? Um, what is it? Uh, the fortune cookie is fear not for the future. Weep not for the past. Yeah. And so also going kind of back to Obi-Wan's relationship and the regrets that he has and uh, his fears for what his feelings may uh, result in for for him or for Satine or for um, his position as a Jedi or her position as a politician or or anything uh, coming down the line. And that fortune cookie is uh, is is wise on many levels. And we will see why. Yeah. Uh, some parting words from Satine before she takes off at the end. It's kind of cute. She says, kind words indeed from a mindful and committed Jedi. So here she's finally kind of complimenting his ways. And then she adds, and yet I'm not sure about the beard. Yeah, I really like that. It hides too much of your handsome face. That's nice. Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was very sweet. People don't really talk Um, like that in Star Wars very much. I thought it was like a cute, like very humane flirtation. Yeah, and I like that. I think that's what's really good about the dialogue in this episode is it does blend. I think it really hits on that original trilogy dialogue uh, in the sense of it has a lot of lofty talk, but also a lot of kind of um, American just jargon in the way that you would normally want to speak. I thought the same Uh, thing in particular when Anakin refers to, he's just like kind of ribbing Obi-Wan and he refers to Satine as his girlfriend. Go get your girlfriend. Mm. Uh, and I thought for a second, is girlfriend a word that exists in the Star Wars universe? And my litmus yep. test for that is, would Han Solo say it? And if he would, then it's a word that can be said by anybody. Yep. And Han would. Uh, Finn uh, says, uh, you got a cute boyfriend? Right. Uh, yeah. So that's a use case there. Um, I think, uh, I don't know. I think girlfriends use a couple other times, maybe in, in Clone Wars, maybe once by Obi-Wan teasing Anakin the other way around, if I'm not right. mistaken. Um, uh, yes, but he usually leaves out the undercurrent of remorse. Talking about Yoda. Yeah. Yeah. That's another good line. Are those um, death troopers, by the way, that they send in at the end? Are they the same things from Mando season two? No, those aren't. Uh, dark troopers, you mean. Uh, so yeah. Dark troopers. Um, no, but uh, of a similar, uh, a very similar concept. Actually, those are B2 battle droids that you do see, um, like the advanced battle droids that you see uh, in Din's flashbacks uh, of when they attack his home world. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, so those are the advanced battle droids. The spider things were kind of cool. Like one of my only take backs for the episode is when they first realized that something is amiss and one of the clones says, what have we here? Looks like the contents of this box are missing. It <laughs> just said, yeah, no shit. It's like a big yeah, open oh, box. <laughs> that's a really bad thing. The battle droids are always annoying. I'll say the, the luxury droids is a bit of a take back. Those are kind of a, a, a creepy concept. Um, they look just like blow up dolls almost kind of, yeah like marionettes they're they're really creepy um did you have any uh, oh else the other take back i had was the the mando guards blocking blaster fire those are some reflexes right <laughs> i think that does that wasn't well thought through that little thing in the background um that's those are some jedi reflexes do you have any trivia questions uh, yeah, I got a bunch for you. So you want to go first? Yeah, I don't have very many good ones. Padawan question. How long does Obi-Wan say he and Master Qui-Gon spent on Mandalore protecting Satine? One year? It was one year. Yep. 
Um, At the time of which Obi-Wan would have been, what, like 17? Uh, so, uh, 17, 18, 19 in, in that time range, yeah. Yep. yeah. And what does Teen use against the mini spider assassin droids? Uh, Obi-Wan refers to it, I think he calls it a deflector. Deactivator. Deactivator. So the idea is it's not a weapon. It can just diffuse attack. Yeah, like an EMT. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you already EMP said... EMP is that electromagnetic pulse. You already said this a couple of times. What does Anakin refer to the spider enemy droids when he pages Obi-Wan? Uh, assassin droids. Oh, close. Oh. Um, assassin probes. Assassin probes. Yeah, so the assassin probes are the mini ones. Uh, the main droid is the... SDK4 assassin droid. Okay. Okay. Um, aside from Satine, who else in Star Wars owns a Nawar class yacht? <laughs> uh, you can you can get this one. Yeah, that's why I chose it. Yeah, I thought so. Um, is it? What's his face? Paul Bettany. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Paul What's Bettany from Solo. Well, it's obviously escaping me at the moment. And it's not very good radio for me to sit here and try and, and think of it. But it starts with a D. It does. Uh, and his last name rhymes with my first name. Uh, Dryden Voss. Dryden Voss. Well yes. done. Yeah. Yes. He had a sick yacht. Yeah. They uh, shared a different, different paint job, but but very, very cool yacht. Okay. Um, master question. Uh, where is Satine from? Oh, specifically, I don't know. Calvala. Okay. So, planet in Mandalore space. All right. Okay. Do you have a master question for me? Yeah. Satine refers to herself as the designated regent of how many systems? Uh, 1,500, right? Yes, that's right. I think that was my question from last week. Oh, okay. Well, here it was in this episode. There you go. That's right. Uh, any other kind of things to talk about for this one? I don't it think there's good, anything good episode, else. Good though. It, it was really good. I don't think it, it, anything else really stands out. It was, it was you know, good action, uh, good dynamics. I liked seeing more of Anakin. He was, I mean, other than this, like, weird moral ambiguity over him killing the guy and then the Imperial March happening, he's, he's kind of a, just like a savior, like a good guy. Really can do no wrong in this episode. Yeah, he's absolutely uh, Captain... Coruscant. Yeah. Uh, he is big time or Captain Tatooine, whatever you want to call they're, him. They're one of the senators on the yacht was, uh, he had a French accent. I think that's the first time I've heard a French accent in Star Wars. Yeah. So uh, Ryloth, the, the Twi'leks, they have French accents. Always? Uh, that was one of my, yeah, one of my back, one of my backup questions was name one of the other people at the dinner table. And so that was Orn Frita. Uh, he's the, he's uh, just a sloth of a human. Yeah, he's, he's gross. slovenly and disgusting yeah. and, 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 and a bad dude. Uh, he is uh, very much in Palpatine's inner circle, um, probably based off of uh, a specific politician, <laughs> just based off of the fact that he's... He seems so... too on the nose. Yeah, and he's just such a brown-nosing, gross guy. Yeah, yeah. So Gotcha. Okay. Um, well, I don't think there's anything else to say. If you want to move on to the news, there are a few pressing things in the news. 
There are. There was one thing I did want to say, and that would be Rex uh, taking out the assassin droid. Um, that was awesome. And yeah. that just goes to show you why Rex is the most badass of all the clones. Yeah, that ruled. It was nice to see the clones, too, because we didn't see them last week. Yeah, no, that was... Uh, they, were, they had a good showing in this one. Okay, onward. Yeah, so in the news, uh, there's been a bunch of a stupid uh, solo... Like people have been like, oh, is, is, uh, is there going to be a solo too? Is uh, Darth Maul coming back? No, there's uh, just he's was Ray Park was finally allowed to release some behind the scenes photos from Solo. There's so not going to be a solo too. Nothing. It's never going to happen. No, uh, so, but I, I, him coming back is very likely in live action. Sure. And uh, lots of things then, can happen. But Solo, yeah. the movie, lost money, and it's a Star Wars movie. They're never making a solo too. No, but I think people are referring to a spiritual successor sure. of, 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 of a certain extent. But anyway, that's not what it is. Um, when it comes to uh, Mandalorian uh, adjacent news or related news, uh, Pedro Pascal has got another starring job in uh, The Last of Us TV show. Yeah. And so that uh, will be taking up some of his time and meaning there may be some more um, Brendan Wayne in suit and... Uh, I forget what his name is. Uh, I think it's like La, 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 I can't remember. It's La something. Um, it's, uh, the the martial artist who does Din's fighting. So it'll be them more in the um, in the suits probably for for season three a little bit. Um, the Mando I, visual. G- if I could just Sorry? comment on that, I I, yeah. I I really doubt the two productions are overlapping, and it, it this will have no impact on whether or not he's in the Mandalorian suit. Like it, it probably takes th- three months to do a principal photography on a season of of The Mandalorian. I'm sure it's just part of the agreement that it shoots, you know. Yeah, re- I, I don't know. Is is Last of Us uh, set to be limited series uh, or how many seasons? I, I don't really know. So that no idea. But but it, it as long as people aren't making 24 episode seasons anymore, and nobody besides Sterling K. Brown is, no. then you got time to do two shows in a year. Yeah, no, that's true. But it's also uh, part of, I think, Pedro's uh, contract that he can kind of do whatever the hell he wants. Yeah, that's um, cool. And Because well, it was how it was with season one. They started it uh, before they had him fully locked down, I think. So wow. um, I don't think he's a whole lot in that one anyway. Um, the visual guide for the Mandalorian, like, I love the visual guides that go along with these, and the visual guide was set to come out this summer, but there's a lot of rumors now that it's going to be canceled, and I love this. I'm so happy it's canceled. Uh, because what it means is that they're canceling uh, a bunch of potential roadblocks they're going to create for themselves. Okay. Why block yourself in by explaining a bunch of things in a visual guide that ultimately you could be explaining away an opportunity for a story? Mm. And so that is the the rumored reason as to why they're doing it is because, oh, wow, we just put this thing, if we put this thing out, we're just going to immediately start contradicting it or make Ahsoka and Rangers of the New Republic a bloody nightmare to shoot. And it's because of a book that we wanted to do as a companion piece. No, not yet. Let's cancel this. Yep. Uh, and so I think that is perfect. I absolutely love those, but not at the expense of the show. And I think this is very <laughs> smart. There have been a number of areas that uh, around the rise of Skywalker that bugged me like, Rise of Skywalker, in my opinion, had some areas that really could have been tidied up over time, and will it'll be harder to tidy them up over time 
because they tried to fill it in with a bunch of quickly created like comics and crap to be released around the same time without gauging anybody's reaction or understanding of the fine minutia of how to connect those things. And so don't rush to put something out and then ultimately have that potentially hurt really good stories down the line. Right. So this is a great piece of news that I should think shows uh, a lot of foresight uh, on, on the part of, uh, of Disney. Um, another thing that uh, has been huge in the news, and I guess kind of the, the, one of the biggest topics would be uh, that there will be no more uh, Cara Dune portrayed by Gina Carano. I can't believe you haven't gotten around to this sooner. This is like clear. This is one of the biggest entertainment stories of the week. Yeah, I know. I know. That's why I just figured I'd get, get the main things off the board. There's uh, that and one other thing, of course, to, to talk about. But um, that one, uh, yeah, this is a huge, huge news story. Um, it's been uh, some more information has come out. Apparently, she was um, warned, but she was not uh, fired in private. She was fired on the Internet. She, she found out about her firing uh, when we all did. Wow. And so I, I I don't agree with with that. It's at a all. weird choice. Um, yeah. But I um, I think it was a hundred percent in Disney's right because uh, they're a corporation. And I think they were very wise to sever ties with Gina Carano. I think she's irresponsible, and uh, I don't agree with a lot of her beliefs. Uh, that it ha- was not enough uh, for anyone to lose their job for, uh, but the fact that she was pressing and the fact that uh, she was warned that uh, this was was going against the public image with her uh, job and the fact that she was saying dangerous things as opposed to just saying both things that people disagreed with, but things that were dangerous and as a person from influence created a a whole snowball of problems and so it was something that disney was very wise to get rid of and uh, i think that uh, it'll blow over um, uh, pretty quickly and everybody will be very 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 happy that this was what ultimately came of it i mean i think i think the snowball that you talk about is a really important thing to distinguish because the problem is she's not on a mainstream level even close to being famous enough for her previous mini scandals that amounted to this ultimate uh, severance to actually move the needle beyond little podcasts like ours or like really really minutia-focused Star Wars superfans. And so the vast majority of people don't even really know the Gina Carano name previous to a week ago when she very publicly loses her job. And so they don't know that this has been an amounting issue that she has been warned about so it's really easy to throw cancel culture out there and say that that's what what happened here and and of course it's really easy for someone like her to glom onto that as an excuse and to politicize a moment like this but the fact is our podcast is in fact one is a record of of an ongoing series of of troubling comments and behaviors in the public that don't fall in line with the attitudes of Lucasfilm. And I mean, at the end of the day, I'm I'm not at, for a second going to miss Cara Dune. Like at family dinner this week, dad who has yet to see the Mandalorian asked us like, before I get into this show, like is this is this lady they fired from Mandalorian, is that really going to like screw up the 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 plot of the show? And we were like, "Oh, not even 1%. Like it's the most easy character to write off. By the way, she's also a, a wretched actor and the only job she can get is working with Ben Shapiro now. So th- it's just better, honestly. 
Yeah, it, it absolutely is. And recast if you need to. Sure. It wouldn't be the first time it's been done in Star Wars. And also, uh, it was pos- it, it was now heavily, heavily, like I don't know where this is confirmed or what the original story, but it seems very much that Rangers of the New Republic was her show. And that that was the maybe non-firing firing that Disney did by being like, hey, you're going to have a new show. And then they took that away from her. And maybe that was um, their way of, of firing her and her. And that's why she's being like, oh, they didn't actually fire me. Well, when they said you're going to get your own show and then they took it away from you, that was kind of them firing. So we don't know all the details yeah. about that. But it does look like Rangers of the New Republic was going to be her show. And then the world falls in love with uh, Paul Sung Hoon Lee and then is like, oh, why not make it this? Yeah. The guy who hands her the badge. And so I don't think they're in even a difficult position where I think they already found their guy to fall in as that kind of lead character in that show where the kind of Cara Dune was going to play a bit of a role. Or you bring in a little more Billy Burr uh, and uh, have a, a little bit more uh, Ginger Bostonian in the galaxy far, far away. Right. And uh, there's, there's or, or or just recast Cara Dune. Who cares? Uh, with sure. somebody else who can kick ass and, and act better. Uh, can act better. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So I, I just can't begin to identify with a willingness to be this careless with, the greatest job ever like you're you must know that that you absolutely like won the lottery here like you play your cards right you keep your head down you like you you ingratiate yourself with the vast majority of popular culture consumers you're set for life you're a hero for life why are you throwing this away yeah and uh there's been a lot i mean i know some people brought up uh and it um, it's amazing the way that people can kind of uh make connections and comparisons but saying that oh well when you bring the holocaust into it then it's a full stop no go uh and then a lot of one side's arguments are well pedro pascal brought up the holocaust and was very political uh in making comparisons to republican actions uh before gina carano did Mm. comparing kids in cages to kids in concentration camps right is a closer comparison than comparing your opinion, like than comparing being a political, like having a political view in a free country to being a persecuted person during the Holocaust. That is not even a like. There's no close comparison there you, like you're free you are not persecuted gina Cron- you will not go to jail for your comments oh. and that is your free speech consequences it's pretty simple yeah. and you know it's not out of the question that that pedro pascal can throw his weight around and and i'm not saying that he would be vindictive because this didn't this situation didn't relate to him but this is like an, this is an outspoken liberal-minded person he was in the news previous to the gina carano situation just for like a heartwarming situation like he just like publicly uh showed a lot of support for his sister who came out publicly as a trans woman and like this is a person who is like politically outspoken and he just might not want that on his set and i kind of get it to be honest i actually think pedro pascal from everything that we've i I don't know i don't know at all right i think that he might be the kind of person who's so forgiving that that isn't the case maybe i but I think that this is maybe to a certain point where 
there's enough other people involved that there's so much offense going on that it even goes beyond those lines. And then you also go on the back of um, some people are saying, oh, well, um, I believe Ben Shapiro is um, is a very vocal uh, Jewish man. And if that's the case, I, I, I think that's the case. I think so. Um, yeah. And people are saying, well, then how can it possibly be a, a, an anti-Semitic thing? Well, that just because one person views yeah. one thing one way. And it, it, it doesn't mean that there weren't, I'm sure, a lot of people from a Jewish background. That's not true. I know for a fact there are a lot of people who vocalize that as a Jewish person, they were offended by those comments. Right. And so um, I think that there was a, enough of a line there that it, it, it's it's fine. You can have those for, those comments and now you're part of an organization that is okay with you saying those comments. And that is another part of capitalism and free speech. And now, thankfully, the galaxy far, far away doesn't need to have your shit in it. Now, a little bit of more um, speculation in what's to come in future movies, which you and I went back and forth on a couple of times today, uh, naturally being met with a little bit of resistance because th that happens with a few, uh, there's a few people in mainstream popular culture whose names are a little bit nuclear in Star Wars, but you and I tend to agree that uh, that it's a positive thing. So, so what's going on with Ryan Johnson? Yeah, just uh, another confirmation from him that uh, it still works. Uh, he's a busy man, and uh, Star Wars and Lucasfilm are is a busy organization. Uh, my uh, guess is that uh, the era is something like that is so up in the air that it doesn't really matter. Ryan Johnson's a young guy yep. and they're redefining eras and they're setting up new people in different positions of leadership. Uh, I saw a rumor today that Zack Snyder's being eyed for a Star Wars project. If that's the case, I think that's a really, really terrible idea. Um, unless it's under the tutelage of John Favreau uh, and that the two of them are going to like Iron Man, Batman it up together and like decide to do like their own like highest budget movie of all time or something. It's a weird insane. choice. I don't see it happening. I wouldn't I wouldn't panic if it did happen, but I think it's a weird choice and unlikely. No, but I, what I mean is more so from the perspective of I don't want too many cooks to be in the kitchen. Right. And I think Ryan Johnson is brilliant. And I think Ryan Johnson, I think people give him crap for like oh well if you don't give him like these characters that we all know and love then like people will be more okay with it and I, I agree with that sure but i think more importantly ryan johnson was so skilled at blowing up the force and blowing up the galaxy and making those things bigger and stronger and having really great themes and these are all very important things within star wars and if so if you can kind of set up a bit of an area a bit of an era even uh it can kind of if you can frame off a, a certain part of Star Wars you want him to work in, I think you can get a masterpiece from him. And I think that that's think so something too. that Disney maybe just isn't sure what playground they want him to work in yet. And he's probably being like, oh, I've got all these things in my mind. So I kind of don't care. Um, but I'm I've got like these things I want to do. And then it's a matter of I can do them just whatever, whatever lens you want me to take them with. And so, yes, I, uh, I'm okay with that. I think that, I, th I agree with everything you said, except I think that Ryan Johnson is maybe the most promising 
genre filmmaker in the business right now. And in the time since he made a Star Wars movie, he went and got himself nominated for an Academy Award and he built a whole new franchise, which for all we know is built to last. Um, and, and he also kind of has a doesn't give a shit approach to the Star Wars fan base, which actually in a way sure, I think is, is, is healthy. Yeah, I think it's really good. Unfortunately, what I saw today, and I, you know, I really have expected that or more than have expected that he would not work in Star Wars again. I thought that this project was all but dead. Um, but, uh, and it's three projects, I guess it's a trilogy. Um, where was I going with that? What I saw today is that there, the the hatred against Ryan Johnson hasn't cooled quite as much as I would have expected as a result of Knives Out. There's still an awful lot of people who just know the name and know that The Last Jedi wasn't what they wanted it to be. And so that they will not ever accept that he can make a good Star Wars movie, whether it has the high stakes of the Skywalker saga or not. Now, I also don't think that we should make choices based on what people who've already made up their mind are likely to say. But mm. it's, it is a shame that some people come to be nuclear or toxic in a community where they have a lot to offer. Yeah, and I think he has a ton to offer. And I think, uh, and I said this before, and I think that the, the solution, the answer is give him an episode of Mandalorian. I think it's the answer. It's the most uniting thing than in all of Star Wars. It's something that in particular seems to hold an extra level of strength with Last Jedi haters. Uh, so, I mean, just in, 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 in not even necessarily last Jedi, like, like, like toxic haters, but just in, in general, Critics. Uh, it seems to be a common thread and not saying that people who like one will dislike the other, but just an often thing is it seems to be that people who dislike the last Jedi do seem to like the Mandalorian and it's Ryan Johnson idea. made his bread and butter doing direction on some of the best episodes of television in history. Yeah. And so it just seems to be a slam dunk makes too much sense. Why not give the man an opportunity to do that again and not tell anybody have people go, Oh my God, that was the best episode of the Mandalorian ever. Oh my God. Ryan Johnson did that. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a great, oh, it's a and great then idea. question everything that they have. It's a great idea because Mandalorian episodes are set up so that you really don't know who's directing it until the episode is over. They seem to do that on purpose. Uh, and it's a nice idea for the same reason. It would be really cool if George Lucas were to get the opportunity to direct one um, because you, you watch it without any inhibitions, without any kind of biases. And then uh, you get to reevaluate in hindsight. And, and that's a great suggestion for Ryan Johnson. Yeah. And I think it would make a lot of sense and it, it shows that, like he he's comes into projects later on. He knows how to work in somebody else's sandbox. And so I actually think that that part is wrong, but I'm also somebody who loved what he did with Luke in the last Jedi. Yeah, so too. of course I'm going to think that. Yeah. Anything else, anything else we should, uh, we should touch on? Uh, no, that's uh, that's really everything in the, in the news and across the board. Um, yeah. Okay, just a couple of birthdays. Uh, happy birthday on Friday, February 19th to Benicio Del Toro, speaking of The Last Jedi. And uh, on Sunday, February 21st to... I mean, one of the originals, Anthony Daniels, having a birthday in the coming weekend. Um, we are definitely now on Spotify. So, I mean, if you if you tend to listen to all your podcasts on Spotify, uh, I guess you're not hearing that from me right now. Uh, maybe you check us out on YouTube now and then. We are in all the uh, essential podcast platforms as well as YouTube. And so um, I, I think you even have an embedded option to send us a voice memo 
in the liner notes from each individual podcast we create. And so if, if you want to supply um, content, this does not have to remain a rhetorical medium. Like we would love for you to send along your own thoughts in audio, or uh, as I've always suggested, you can just email us recorder66podcast at gmail.com or tweet at recorder66. Uh, next week on the podcast, I guess we're going to close off this. Hey, it's like a little mini trilogy. Um, it's episode yeah. uh, it's episode 2.14 uh, of The Clone Wars. And so you can see that on Disney Plus. And we're going to see how this little arc uh, featuring Obi-Wan and, and Satine. Are we going to get Satine back next week? Yep. See how that kind of closes off, at least for now, on next week's podcast. Uh, But in the meantime, let us know what you think, any questions you might have. And until we are together again, may the Force be with you.